Christians today tend to be big on hot-button issues. Uh, last week, we talked about racism uh, as, as a result of what happened in, in Charlottesville. And um, uh, I, I know that there has been some pushback, partly because I've heard from some of you, and partly because I, I, uh, uh, I, I know Christians fairly well. Um, so part of it's known, part of it's unknown, but I know that there has been some, some pushback, um, and uh, I don't care. So, um, but uh, I do care, and I, and I, and I, I love you. I, I may not know you very well, but I love you. I, my desire is for your growth in Christ um, and not in the kingdoms of this world. And so uh, for whatever it's worth, uh, I want to continue to push on you, if you've if you've had uh, different views, um, I primarily spoke to uh, a conservative viewpoint last week, in part because of our inaction at times, our lack of words, our lack of uh, comfort for people of color, um, our lack of care for people uh, along those lines, and uh, I uh, I think it's good for us uh, to hear those things. Um, and ultimately to understand that um, we have a, a serious problem, and that is that, that Christians tend to only care about hot-button issues. And those hot-button issues are, as you know, abortion and gay marriage. And if Republicans want to get Christians to the polls to vote, they will bring up those two issues, and then maybe Christians will vote uh, for them. That's becoming less so. Um, but I, what I don't want you to hear, um, in spite of my deep love for people who struggle with same-sex attraction and people who are gender confused and things of that nature, um, and, and in spite of my deep love for those of you that have engaged in, in abortion, that, that, that's got to be a never-ending sense of guilt. I know that there are people in this room, uh, more than likely, that have experienced uh, both of these things. I want to tell you that, that God's love could not be any more for you. He, he, he loves you tremendously. But my support and the support of scriptures for life and for sexuality as God has designed it, it has not waned in any way. No one has questioned that. No one has said, said that. But I, I want you to understand that. Because as soon as you come out and you speak against the conservative move, movement, uh, now everybody wants to think like a, a politician in political senses, and they say, well, if he, said he believes this about this, then he also must believe this about that, and so therefore this church is, is X. And so I just want to tell you that the scriptures speak differently than what you think. It's just, it just says something different than, than what the, the common narrative has been uh, in uh, evangelical circles. And whether it, it doesn't matter what side of, side of the line you're on, where you are in, in belief or unbelief, uh, your view of what Christianity is is probably wrong. And every Christian should actually approach the scriptures in this way. Like, I am wrong, the Bible is right. And uh, otherwise, the, the scriptures have nothing to say to you. If you're like, okay, I've arrived. <laughs> I'm a Republican evangelical, and I've arrived. Now I know the scriptures entirely. There's a little bit of arrogance in that. I don't know if you know that or not. But uh, we haven't arrived, whether you're Republican or, or Democrat. But... Uh, I, I speak to these things not because it's a hobby horse of mine, but because I, I pay attention. I want to pay attention. I'm hoping that I'm paying attention to what's happening in our world, and I I know that we say things here at Outward Church that nobody wants to hear, and 
And I just, I just can't tell you uh, how much I care more about what God thinks than about what you think. I care more about what God thinks than the success of, of this church or, or even the pay that I receive from the church. I care more about what God thinks, and I have to pray that. God, I'm walking into a sermon, and, and people are probably not going to like what I say because people vote with their feet, right? And for pastors, you know, the idolatry is getting people to sit in the seats and listen to you ramble, right? I mean, that's just, that's, that's what we do, you know? And so it's hard to come in and say something that people don't want to hear. But what I have to tell you is that I've had to pray it and, and pray as I'm walking in that regardless of what side you're on, I'm, I'm hoping that you're offended by Jesus. Not by me and my foolishness, but my hope and my prayer is that you would be offended by Jesus uh, to the degree that you have to say, I, I've got to look in the scriptures and I've got to see if what, if what Matt said or the preacher that day at Outward if what they say is true and that you're investigating for yourself, and as a result, that brings change. You know, as you, you may know, as you've been looking around, we've got a lot of, of the millennial generation in our church. And one of the things about this generation is, is that in, in some respects, there's just a lot of divergent views. There's just a, a lot of views that are going in every different direction. And my wholehearted belief is that as, if, if, I, if I'm giving you truth, I'm, I'm doing, I am helping you, not hindering you. So my, my hope is that I'm, I'm giving you truth and that you're hearing this. Um, I'll, I'll just say this from the beginning. If all you ever get upset about, if the only reason why you're uh, hot and bothered about a particular candidate, if the only issues that you get upset about are abortion and homosexuality, you've missed it. You've missed it. And I've missed it. If when you look at what happened in Charlottesville or, or any other place for that matter, and you cannot sympathize with the people of color in that, in that, in that people group that are, that are being denigrated or, or, or torn down, uh, if, if you cannot sympathize with that, um, I wonder, and I think Jesus wonders... I, Jesus doesn't wonder because he's sovereign, so that's bad theology, but I'll just correct it on the spot before we go too far. I'm not going to wonder for Jesus. How about we'll just say that right now, okay? Uh, I wonder um, whether you've actually received the gospel. And it's good for you to wonder. Not necessarily to doubt all the time, but it's good for you to wonder. Do I, have I really come to a knowledge of the truth, or am I making this up? Or am I making this up? Because true and real Christianity is the life of Jesus Christ. It's not just submitting to a series of facts and, oh, and by the way, abortion and, and gay marriage. It's not submitting to those things. It's not just that, okay? It is uh, 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 tremendously more than this. And so uh, what we've been talking about is the kingdom of God. We'll be wrapping this series up in the next couple of weeks. Let me just say real, real quickly... Next week is our 10-year anniversary celebration. Whoa, wow. That was, last couple of weeks have been kind of dead. People are like, yeah, anyway, we're excited about it. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a big milestone to be around for 10 years. And so I want to make sure that, um, I, I want to encourage you to be here to celebrate with us. Uh, we'll have a barbecue and stuff out here afterwards. 
And so really want to invite you to be a part of that and to just come and worship. And uh, there might be some, some, some crazy things that you hear and, and fun stuff. So anyway, it's, it's going to be great. I really want you to be here. But um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. But before I get there, I want to preface it with Matthew uh, 7. Matthew 7, verse 15, which I, I think too many Christians are, are, are all too secure in their faith uh, until they really start studying this passage. Um, and so Matthew 7, verse 15 says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Do we have any false prophets today? I, I believe we do. There's lots of people that claim Christianity. They claim to be a part of the evangelical movement. And the, the thing that we can clearly say is that there are many things that they're advocating for that, that Jesus does not advocate for. And so whether they claim that or not, they can claim it all day long. But in reality, God knows, and we probably know, uh, that they are not Christians. Okay? And so uh, this is saying, beware of false prophets. You will recognize them by their fruits. What you do matters. How you act matters. You live out your theology every day, whether you know this or not. You live out what your real theology is. You may think you know theology, but you live out your real theology. What you believe about God comes out in your actions. Are grapes gathered from thorn bush bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Verse 19, focus on this. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Oh, that's, ooh, ouch. Uh, thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into, or will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you see what that just said? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy, which is preaching, in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness." Now, what should be going through your mind right now is, is well, let me, let me preface that again with this. Many people have read this and said, um, yeah, that's true, but I'm saved by grace, not by works. And so works don't matter, so therefore I'll just be saved by grace. Works, you know, I'm just looking forward to heaven, just waiting for uh, the sweet by and by. And when I get there, that'll be fantastic. But too many of us have missed the reality that Jesus says, if you know me, if you have faith in me, if you are a real Christian, then what's really going to be happening to you is that you're going to bear fruit. There's going to be something that happens in your life that there will be real and tangible results that are taking place. And when you don't have that fruit, you do not have assurance that you have faith. Now, can I just be a good person and therefore I'm saved? No, it comes only through Jesus Christ. And what comes out of that are real good works for God, not for yourself, not for the community, not to make yourself feel better, not to, make, not to be a part of the liberal movement or the conservative movement, not for any other reason, but for God. To say it's not for me, it's, it's for God. That's, that's why... 
That's why it has to be for God. And so what we don't understand oftentimes is this, is that God is really expecting us to really have uh, good works. God is expecting that. You don't get saved because of him. You get saved because of Jesus Christ on the cross. You acknowledging Jesus going to the cross for your sin, repenting of that sin, saying, I've, I've been wrong. I can sense it in my spirit. I can sense this impending judgment. Why do I feel sorrow and shame for the things that I've done in the past? Well, you could say it's, it's because of social engineering or, or, or it, it, people have just worked that way. And so that's why I just, now I just need to tell myself that it, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. But anybody could do that with anything. Anybody could do anything with any sin. The reality is, is that God has put in your heart eternity. The reality is that God has put into your soul the reality that there is sin and guilt and shame. And that sin and guilt and shame is only taken care of by Jesus on the cross. And as a result, when we have truly understood that, truly believed that, we're going to live as part of God's kingdom. We're going to live as part of his kingdom. And who, who does this go for? It's not just the people that go there. That's obvious. No, it's going to be the people that you don't expect. It's, the, it's people, some people that are preaching. Hey, by, by the way, this is to me too. This is to me too. I, I, I have to check my soul. I have to check who, who I am. I have to look at what's going on inside of me, and I have to say, okay, is my preaching really out of a heart of righteousness or a desire for righteousness from God or is it to make man happy? Or is it to be seen as, as, as a good speaker or something along those lines? Like, because you can be prophesying or preaching all day long, doing all kinds of crazy things, and yet God says, like, that all that it was, was was just ethereal Christianity. Yeah, I opposed abortion. Maybe I opposed this, I opposed that. But there really was never any real tangible life change that came as a result. Therefore, what never took place is that Jesus was never your Savior. You were always your Savior. You're always your own Lord and Savior. That's what, that's what that passage is saying. And when we avoid what Jesus is saying, we miss the kingdom and we miss the hard sayings of Jesus Christ. So our responsibility is to look at what Jesus has to say. Turn to Matthew uh, 13, if you don't mind. Here's Jesus again. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, here we go. A parable is a story. It's kind of an enigmatic story a little bit, but it, it is to reveal a greater truth. So he says, a sower went out to sow. What's he talking about? He's talking about agriculture. Everybody's familiar with agriculture. Why, why, is he, why is he talking about agriculture? Because everybody knows about agriculture in this culture. He's talking about something that everybody knows about. And so he says, a sower went out to sow. He's a farmer. He's planting seed. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, 
where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus, Jesus says, I'm, I'm telling you like a, like a child's story. And I, I'm just trying to put it on the bottom shelf here. I, 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 want you to, I want you to hear this. Understand where I'm coming from. He's telling them this story. And the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? I think what they're saying is they're saying, why, why don't you like teach us like we want to be taught? Why are you teaching us like we're children? And Jesus says, uh, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So what is Jesus talking about in this story? He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about what he came to do. He's talking about why he went to the cross, right, to inaugurate his kingdom, why he came, came to earth. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says this. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their eyes hear, but they can barely hear. And their, eye, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. They're shutting their eyes. They're shutting their ears. They're not listening. They're not understanding. They're doing this. They're, they're causing this. I would heal them. Remember what we said at the very beginning. G God's invitation to you, Jesus' invitation to us is, will you let me heal you? Like, I know that you think that you've got it all handled, that you've got it all worked out here in American Christianity, white, middle class, whatever. But will you let me heal you? You don't even understand the issues that you have. You haven't failed enough to see that you are in the midst of failure. You're in the midst of sickness. Will you let me heal you? Jesus, uh, hear what Jesus is saying here. I want to heal you. You will not let me heal you. That's, and, and every single one of us has to understand that we may not be solidly in that place, but there's parts of our lives where we'd say, I don't really want to hear that. I'm not trying to hear that, see? Like, I, I, I don't want to know. And see, he says this in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. That is Jesus and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, that's my voice, uh, the voice of Jesus and did not hear it. So Jesus then says, hear again the parable of the sower. So he's going to explain it to us. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Keep reading. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, 
This is the one who hears the word, but the, uh, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So here's what Jesus just explained to us. The word of the kingdom, when it, when it is communicated in its fullness. I've said this before, but some people talk about uh, the gospel as though it's limited just to Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified, buried, uh, resurrected. That's the gospel. You might expand it a little bit one way or the other, but they'd say this is the gospel. Now, it is not less than that. But there are some people who, who say it is more than that. And I, and I would agree with this. And the reason why is this. is because Jesus' perfect life, all of his teaching, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're there for a reason. They're called the Gospels for a reason. And it's because it's saying, this is the life that I want you to live. I'm living it perfectly for you. This is Jesus. It's showing us what God is like. Jesus shows us who God is and what he's like. And so it shows us the life of Jesus Christ, and then Jesus goes to the cross, even though he lives a perfect life. So the gospel is this full-orbed view of all of these things. In, in that gospel is the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, as it is stated in the gospels. This is the good news, not just that Jesus went to the cross, but that Jesus went to the cross, uh, was buried, was resurrected in order for us to be a part of his kingdom. This is the part that we miss. God's kingdom looks like these fruits that are being born in the lives of God's people. His kingdom looks like good things that are taking place, that are happening in our lives. It looks like us advocating for people that don't look like us. It looks like us taking on other issues than just hot-button political issues that politicians use to try to control us. It looks like, more than that, us caring about the poor and the immigrant. It looks like that regardless of the things that they have wrong in their past, caring for them. Regardless of the things that we disagree with at times, we still love people. Why? Because does God have things that he disagrees uh, with in your life? Probably. I'll just say, probably. I, I can say unequivocally, yes, for me. But does he still love me? Yes, he showed me how much he loves me by going to the cross for me. And he loved me before I even loved him. So we love those people. So what this is saying is this. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And Jesus is saying here that there are people who have hard hearts. The seed is the word of the kingdom. That The sower, God, Jesus, is sowing the word of the kingdom. He's teaching us. He's showing us through the word. That is Jesus. He's showing us what his kingdom is like. That Jesus exemplifies his kingdom. He is showing us what his kingdom looks like. The soil is the heart of man. And Jesus is saying, I am casting seed onto the, 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 the ground. And some of it is falling on hard hearts. 
And these are people who never received it in the first place. Perhaps they heard it once, they came to church once, and then they walked away. But perhaps they're sitting in the pew. Perhaps they're sitting right here right now. They have hard hearts because they've heard the message. They don't really understand it, but somehow they're just engaged with Christian things. They might even vote like a Republican, so they're pretty close to being a Christian, right? And they, they may be somebody who is a nice person, but what's never happened in their life is that the word of the kingdom has never penetrated the soil of their heart, and the evil one takes away what they have. It takes away any understanding. It takes away whatever. And so they're, they're, they're sitting in the pew or they're just in life. There's this, there's this kind of like, uh, you know, agreement with Christianity because they're an American. There's this loose affiliation. Yeah, I believe in God. But it means nothing because the word of the kingdom has not penetrated their heart. They have hard hearts, hard soil. That's the path. The second one was the rocky ground. Let me read it again for you in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is good stuff. Woo! Yeah! The word of the kingdom, they hear it, they receive it with joy. Everyone's convinced. Yep, that's a Christian. I know it when I see it. They receive it with joy. Yet, uh-oh, he has no root in himself. He has no root in himself. He endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, what is this? What is this? It's, it's the rocky ground. It's, it is the seed that's planted in, in rocks. You, the, you see the roots begin to go there. You know, the, the plant is going, oh, yeah, going to get to some soil. Ah, no. They're just in rocky ground. The roots have come out, but they're not rooted in a heart of good soil. They're not rooted in good soil. They have no root in themselves. And so what, what's happening with this person? Well, this could be intellectual Christianity. It's having all this knowledge. It's having a bunch of knowledge about some things, but it's never, it's never really taken root in your heart. It's never really taken root in good soil. Because your heart is rocky ground. And what's happening as a result is that what the, the word of the kingdom has never penetrated your heart. It's never really gotten in there. If I had to guess, I'd say a lot of us are rocky ground right here and right now. A lot of us are. The word has never penetrated our, our heart. We've allowed politicians and vocal you know, um, Christians you know, in the media to dictate how we're going to vote, who we're going to talk about, what we're going to say, all these things. And instead of looking to Jesus and saying, no, Jesus is the one. He's the one who brings the message of the kingdom. I keep avoiding it. No, we keep saying, okay, yeah, this is what Christianity must be. I'm just, I'm a part of this thing. But the word of the kingdom has never taken root in your life. And as a result, what takes place is this. It never leads to any works being done, or it's never led to anything being done that is for God and for God alone, but it's for yourself. I feel guilty. I feel like I should help these people out. 
I've been, I've been uh, race-whipped. You know, I, 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 I'm, I, I feel bad for other races and so I'm just, Instead of it coming from your heart and soul of like, no, God created other races in his image. And so therefore, I love them because they have God in that sense, being created in his image. They're image bearers. I love them. Now, instead of that, it's I feel guilty about that. So there's no work that's been done. And Romans 6, verse uh, 17 says this, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. Obedient from the heart. Not from the mind, not from guilt, but obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. The Apostle Paul is telling, is telling us this, that there was this slavery in our lives to sin. Whether we know it or not, every single one of us is a slave to sin without Christ. And sometimes we still continue in that slavery after Christ. And we, we're, we're still progressively becoming sanctified, becoming more like Jesus. And so, and that's, that's okay. Jesus went to the cross for that sin. But it's growth. What Paul is saying right there is he's saying that for those of you that are walking in righteousness, you were once slaves. But what's happening is that there is an obedience that's taking place. An obedience that characterizes your life and that continues to go and you become a slave of righteousness. Everyone hates the idea of slavery. But the Christian is somebody who says, I, I, I want to serve God in righteousness. I want to be subservient to his righteousness. What is his righteousness? There's about 600 laws in the Old Testament, some of which are still valid today, some of which just describe the character of God. And they show us that among those things is advocating for other races. It's advocating for the poor. It is being somebody who is about social justice, regardless of what the conservative establishment says, and regardless of what the liberal establishment says, regardless of what candidate steps on that stage, I'm advocating for what God advocates for. His righteousness describes those things. God's righteousness describes the things that we often want. Not always, but often want. Rocky ground is this. Hear me. Rocky ground is intellectual agreement without heart-level obedience. You can say that you agree all the time, all day long. You can say that you, that you, that you are an evangelical, but it is agreeing with a series of facts without ever being obedient to that. Without ever being obedient. And when you separate the cross and the kingdom... You get nothing. Zero. You get zero. When you separate the obedience that comes from faith, when you separate that from actual faith, that you're missing something. You're missing something big. It's huge. 
rocky ground is simply just, it's intellectual agreement with a series of facts without any heart-level obedience. That's what Jesus is saying. The soil is the heart. The soil is the heart. Jesus has already said in Matthew 7, there's going to be people that come, hey, Jesus, bet you're looking for me. I'm here. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I, didn't, I never knew you because the gospel never penetrated your heart. And what, why, why is Jesus saying this? Well, he's going to say in the next parable, he's going to say, well, there's wheat and there's weeds. Not wheat and weed, but wheat and weeds. The wheat are the people that know him and follow him and are about his kingdom, that have come to him through the gospel. The weeds are those people who grow up among the wheat. And some of those are not going to know which one they are. And Jesus says, in the, the last days, we're going to pull them. In the last days, we're going to pull them. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his people, his kingdom. He's talking about the church. And he's saying that there's people who are weeds that are growing up among us. And I just got to tell you that there's a lot of that going on today. Because American Christianity is not gospel Christianity. American Christianity is not gospel Christianity. It, it's a prosperity gospel. It's, it, it's a pull yourself up by your bootstraps gospel, which is not Jesus pulls you up through the cross gospel. It's you do it yourself. God helps those who help themselves. Where is that in the Bible? It's not. American Christianity is not gospel Christianity. The thorns. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares, or that word can be translated the anxieties, things you're worried about of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfaithful. What kind of person are we talking about here? We're talking about feelings-driven faith. We're talking about emotional Christianity. We're talking about, I'll come as long as they got a sweet band, and that preacher doesn't bore me. We're talking about, you know what? If their kids' program is good, I'll be happy. We're talking about, like, oh, there's all kinds of excitement. People are falling down and, like, what have you. We're talking about, uh, I have a difficult time. I come to Jesus. Good. That's when you should come to Jesus. We're glad that you're here. Now I'm not having a bad time anymore, and now I walk away from Jesus. We're talking about emotion-driven Christianity. I was, a, I was a slave to that, for sure. My life felt like a series of uh, disasters through a girlfriend that broke up with me after five years. I thought she was the one. I was tore up. I, I was... Never been so low. This is before I was married to Chris, by the way. Uh, sure, I need to tell you that. Maybe you don't know me. So glad that didn't work out. My parents got divorced later. Um, I, I can't remember everything else. It's my early 20s, and I was... I would go from disaster to disaster. So disaster would strike, I would turn to God. 
Or for a while there, you know, some disasters would happen and I would turn away from God. And then I would just, I would come back to God and I would say, God, I don't want to walk away from you next time. That, and, I, and I think that was the beginning of maturity. God, I'm going to keep in my mind that I don't want to walk away from you next time. But I became keenly aware that I walk with God when disaster strikes. I became keenly aware. I feel like following Jesus. I feel like praying when things are not going well. Let me tell you, this last winter, I had to deal with that. Am I ever going to get my house done? Still not done. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm close. We're drywalling now. Praise Jesus, right? That's, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. But I got to this point where it's like when things were bad, then I pray. When things are bad, then I pray. Then I'm close to God. And I feel his care and, and I feel his comfort. Now, I should feel Jesus there. Like, feel Jesus there. Don't hear me saying that's bad. It's good to have emotions. And I love emotions. I, I love uh, to experience God. I love, let me tell you what I love. I love coming to church. And I love it when God's people just sing so loud. I remember being in the, in the Dominican Republic one time. And I, I remember they asked me to lead worship. I was a worship leader at that, at that point. And so they asked me to lead worship. This, this church was massive. My grandfather, I think, helped start it in the Dominican. And what happened was I got up there, and, like, I was thinking this is, like, American worship stuff where they, you know, they kind of sit there and, you know, do a little bit of this maybe, uh, if that. Um, and then they kind of sing along. First note, Wah! everybody singing so loud. I was sitting there just going, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. I love to hear God's people sing. I love it. I love it when the church gathers. I love that stuff. But you got to understand that you can have relationship with Jesus Christ in a jail cell, being whipped and chained for your faith. You can have faith in the lowest moments, you can be close to Jesus in those times. But you know what? You could also be close to Jesus throughout the mundane stuff of life. Throughout the mundane stuff of life. But too many Christians today are looking for churches that are experience-driven. And let me tell you, when the experience of Christianity runs out, and that's what your church is built on, you will make stuff up so that people will keep coming. You'll make it up. You just, we ran out of scripture. <laughs> All right? We just flat out ran out of experiences in the Bible that might work, and so now we're just gonna make some up of our own. And then we're, gonna, we're just gonna contort the scriptures to say whatever we want. That's emotion-driven Christianity. It's, it's, it's saying, I'm, I'm a fair-weather Christian. The cares of anxieties come, and now I'm gone. All right, now I don't need Jesus to feel like I'm surviving. Now I've got the money. What's, he, uh, what's Jesus say here? The deceitfulness of riches. Now that I have money, I don't need Jesus. Now that I don't need rent money, I don't need to keep praying. Now that I don't need, now I don't need Jesus. I already told you that's my deal too. It's like, man, how much is this going to cost? Right? The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the anxieties, it's emotion-driven Christianity. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is constant. God doesn't leave. God doesn't walk away from you when things are going well. Oh, he's got a handle right now. I'll just you know, go uh, work on the Democrats right now. Like, we'll just... No, that's not what God's doing. 
God is saying, I am here for you. I want relationship with you. Jesus is saying here that the people that hear the message, receive the message that it is planted in, are not people that just walk away. And so what we can say about this is that sometimes you hear people talk about this. And some of you may be in this position. I know that he knows the truth because he, he prayed a prayer at some point, but he walked away. And so I, I believe that he's a Christian. He's just walking away. I don't think that's what that means. This is saying that they walk away from God, from relationship with him, from the church, because they were never believers in the first place. So they can claim Christianity, they can claim belief in God all day long, but the, the, the message of the kingdom never took root in their lives. It's emotional experience without intellectual obedience. It's emotional experience without intellectual obedience. It's saying, you know, who cares about theology? You know what? You do. You're living out your theology. The, the way that you live your life is your theology. That's what you actually believe about God. And when you're all about emotional experience without, without the obedience that comes from, from thinking through the word of God, that's when you're somebody who's among the thorns. And what happens? Thorns grow up. And thorns, he's, he's speaking about thorns as though they're weeds in our lives. If you've ever seen a patch of grass, you get these things that come up, these, I don't even know what they're called. They're weeds, but whatever they are. Come up. And they will grow there for a while. And then when you kill that thing, it leaves a dead patch of grass. That's what we're talking about. Your life is a dead patch of grass. Because what, what's taking place? You walked away from Jesus when, when things got hard. You walked away from, from Jesus and his church. And you said, you know, I'm, I'm okay just being on my own. I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. I just, I don't, I just, I, I, I. It's not for me to say whether you're a Christian or not. It's God knows the truth. I actually don't know, but I'm going to tell you. I don't think so. You, can, you can't walk. You, you, that's, that's not real Christianity. I just, I don't believe that. I question it. You've got to walk with Jesus. You've got to walk with his people. Emotional experience without intellectual obedience. How are we obeying? How are we obeying the word? We try to cut out all the things that we know that Christianity doesn't stand for. But in the end, we, we're not really adding to that the works that come from faith. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word. They don't just hear it and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and then another 30. Now, let me, let me preface this, or Jesus just kind of did there. Jesus is not coming to us and saying, you better be Mother Teresa, or you better be whatever. He's saying, you know, some people produce, like, these amazing amounts of, 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 of work, and they're serving God and his kingdom. And there's some people who, who are producing 60, and 60 is good. And there's some, some people who produce 30, and 30 is good. But there's a range there. We don't all need to be the same. Some people are high performers. Some people are, they're performers. 
But the person who's in the good soil is the one who hears the word. They hear the word and they understand it. And so it's not, uh, it's not just saying or giving agreement to a series of facts. But it's saying, how are those facts affecting me? It's coming to God and saying, where am I out of line with who you are and your kingdom? I'm, I'm in agreement that you went to the cross. I have faith in that. I, I, I see all that, but where are you, uh, where am I not in line with who you are, Jesus? Where have I not aligned myself with the life of Jesus Christ? Where am I not aligning myself with how he acted towards sinful people? Where am I not aligning myself with how he cared for the poor and the lepers? The people who are sick. Where am I not in alignment with forgiving people before they've even asked for forgiveness? Not, uh, not that we loved him, but that he loved us, it says. It's not that I love Jesus so much and that's why, yeah, you know what? Matt's really been growing in his love for me, and I can really see he's doing pretty fantastic. He's a preacher after all, so I think I'll go ahead and love him. No, God saved me. God's the one who changed the soil of my heart. God's the one who changed me. He's the one that caused this. He's the one that's bringing about anything good that comes out of my life. And anything bad that comes out of my life is all of me. That's Matt. But anything good, it does not come from me. It comes from God himself. I cannot take credit for it. And so what does it look like to be good soil? It looks like uh, to be good soil, it looks like somebody who is saying to God, I have no goodness of my own. This is why the doctrine of total depravity is so important. I have no righteousness. I am not righteous in and of myself. I, can, I realize that I'm jacked up, that my life is, is not going the way that it should be going. I see where I've been wrong, and I see that I'm on this path. I've got a hard heart, and I'm somebody who, who cannot get it together, and I need something else. That's to believe what the Bible says about you and me. That's to say, I'm totally sinful. I may not be ISIS or a part of the KKK, but I have the propensity towards those things. Watch Dateline sometime. Here he was, a school teacher, and what do you know? He killed somebody. Really? It's human nature. You and I are capable of it in the right situation. Nobody in here is not capable of that sin. Nobody in here is righteous on their own. The good soil is the soil that God brings to my life. And so how do you get it? You say, God, I want what you want. 
I want your righteousness. I want obedience. I want to obey you. I want to walk with you. I want to be about your kingdom. I don't want to be about my kingdom anymore or Republican politics or Democratic politics. I don't just want to get angry at people who have abortions or people who support this or that or the other thing. I want to have the heart of God for those people and love them in spite of everything that they've got going on because that's what Jesus did for me. Can't you see? Until you see that you and I are, are so messed up that Jesus had to die for us. As Tim Keller says, that so loved that he was glad to die for us. We're going to be a bunch of punk Republicans yakking about stupid political issues. And I'm not saying that God doesn't agree with some of those things, but I want to tell you that God agrees with some things on the liberal side too. Sure, we got to weigh which ones we're going to be in agreement with. But I think the time is over for us to be uh, partisan um, people. I think it's over. It's time to be Jesus people. It's time to be kingdom people. And that means that we advocate for poor, the, the poor people. And that means that we want people to have health care. I'm not saying how it should happen. I'm so, somehow, we should be advocating for that. Maybe it doesn't happen through the government. Maybe we all start hospitals. You know that's happened before, right? Maybe we start schools. Maybe, maybe we just act like we, we are a part of God's kingdom, and we are here to be revealers of who God is. And maybe it means that we're ad adoptive parents so that more kids don't have to be killed. And maybe you got a story about how you've had an abortion, but you've, you've been through a grieving process and you have delved deeply into the gospel of Jesus Christ so much so that you have no doubt. Like Jesus went to the cross for that sin and I bear it no more. And I want other young women who've been in this situation to feel that, that same relief. Do you know people that have been in that situation before? They walk around with guilt. They can sit here and try to tell themselves all day long that they don't feel guilty. You can show Jesus to them. And maybe it's with the gay community or the LGBTQ community. How do we, how do we love? How do we love people that, that we just, we're just in disagreement with? But we just love you. We're just going to show you. Yeah, take us to court. Yeah, take our business. Yeah make laws. Guess what? You don't have the last word. Jesus does. We love you. That's our responsibility. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. When are we going to just be Jesus people? When are we, I, I mean, a part of the church, yeah, but Jesus people that are about his kingdom. That's, that's like the whole point of this series. It's been going on for weeks. I can't believe it took me this long. Gosh. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I, uh, 
I wish half of what I said this morning was true in my own life. But I, I, I stand here as, as somebody who's just equal with everyone here in the same position. I have the same political convictions sometimes that they do. And God, I, I have allowed partisan politics to come between me and you, between me and your kingdom. God, I've allowed my anger to spill over towards people that just disagree. And Lord, I, I, uh, I don't know how to express it any better than I, than I have. But Lord, I'll just pray to you right now that I just, I long for your righteousness. I long for your goodness. I long for your kingdom. And even though I, I don't even fully get every aspect of that, you, you have said that your kingdom has come and that this is the good news. That's what gospel means, that this is the good news, that your kingdom has come and will come in its fullness at the end of days. And God, I have not been excited about that in the way that I should be. And God, I have not desired that. I've desired to live according to uh, my own set of rules and standards. I've decided to be about my, my kingdom and my life and I've wanted to add a little bit of God to that so that things would go better for me. But Lord, I pray that you would show me the sinfulness of that, the rocky ground, the thorny soil, the path that that is. Lord, give me your good soil. Give me your good soil, Lord, that, that life would come as a result, that fruit would be produced in my life. God, only you can do it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and only you can do it. Lord, make that true of us. May we depend on you and your grace and your mercy to do this in our lives. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.